0: Exurgat Deus, dissipentur de eius, et fugiancio Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Let all those who hate him flee from before his face. Before I even get started, I want to give a shout out to Mendoza Leather Crafts. You can find them on Instagram at Mendoza Leather Craft. You can find them on the internet, Mendoza Leather Craft, all one word, square dot site. Is a Catholic gentleman down in Texas, does excellent custom leather work. Um, on his landing page, you'll see some pictures of some work that he, of some work that he's done, including what appears to be a collar, um, a leather a uh, leather book cover for a missile, leather belts. He's got hats. He's got uh, rosary pouches. And right now, actually, on his site. Um, he's taking a limited amount of Christmas or, Christmas orders. There'll be no dollar minimum, but the spots are limited. And I can say this because um, I found him on Twitter. Um, he had actually posted something that I that I've retweeted, and then I have, and then he showed up in my timeline, um, adver- you know, saying, "Hey, hey, he's got a blank for a leather belt. If anybody was interested in a custom leather belt, and so I and so I hit him up, and he custom made me." the most fantastic belt that could have possibly been made for a Catholic mechanic the uh, he's got the he's got the pictures it's actually on his uh, like if you if you hit him uh, men, uh, I think it's Mendoza leather let me hit it up real quick uh, Mendoza Mendoza L craft 20. And he's actually got it on his um, on his page. On it, like when you when you click to see his profile, it's on his it's on his page, and you can actually see the you can see the belt that I had him that I had him make that I commissioned, and it is a fantastic looking belt, an absolutely wonderful looking belt. Um, one of the nicest things about it, because he and I were talking back and forth on DM. During during the construction, he showed me videos of what he was working on. He showed me, he showed me um, pictures. He, he walked me through the process of all you know, getting everything kind of put together in a manner that that looked pretty. You know that you know, in order to I get well to meet exactly what it is I was looking for, and he did a fantastic job. It is perfect. It is perfect. It is exactly what I'd envisioned. It's exactly what I hoped for. Um, and I'm looking forward to actually uh, should be coming in the mail this Friday, and I'll have an and I'll have an update, and actually I'll probably take a couple of pictures with it and, and post it to my Twitter feed at mightycolibri, m i g h t y c o l i b r i, and you. But you can see the pictures of the belt, and it is a fantastic leather belt. Um, <clears throat> I'll be pairing it up with a belt buckle with Our Lady of Guadalupe on the buckle. It is a, it's just an amazing piece of work. So, if you get an opportunity, swing over to his site. Like I said, it's Mendoza Leather Craft, all one word, dot square dot site. And you can find him on Instagram at Mendoza Leather Craft. And you can find him on Twitter at Mendoza L Craft 20. I highly recommend him. Support a Catholic businessman. This man does fantastic work. He is a true artisan. Um, and I can definitely tell the quality the quality of his work is is phenomenal it is absolutely phenomenal Um, but you can see the you can see the belt that he made for me and it is beautiful absolutely beautiful that's my grift go go swing by his website hit him up on Twitter find him on Instagram he does great great work you can find pretty much whatever it is that you're looking I mean, if it's made of leather I'm pretty sure he can do it Um, But it's an absolutely spectacular piece of work. So, again, yeah, hit, hit him up. For the show, I want to talk about Vatican II and today's bishops and what they're saying about Vatican II versus the reality. And I'm not going to get dive all deep in the weeds and stuff. We're just going to break it down to one sentence. We'll get to that sentence after this. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Archangele, defend nos in proelio. Contra nequitiam et diaboli diabolicas, ad praesidium. Imperatili Deus, supplices de precamor, tuque princeps militae caelestis, satana maliosque spiritus malignos qui ad perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute in infernum detruide. Amen. Cor Iesu Sacratissimo Miserere Nobis. Mater Dolorosa Ora Pro Nobis. Santi Joseph Ora Pro Nobis. Domine, ostende facim tuum misericordiamus. Ame Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est. In Nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. All right, so that one sentence I'm not going to bury the lead here. They are lying. Simple. I could end the show right now, but we should probably just dive into a few things that we know they're lying about. Okay? Pope Francis has decided that he wants to stack the deck to try and make sure that his successor is patterned after him. And I'm going to be blunt. Given what I've been able to glean about Catholic prophecy, given about what given about what I know about Sacred Scripture, and the fact that I know that Christ wins in the end, that Our Lady's Immaculate Heart will triumph in the end, I don't care. You guys want to condemn yourselves to hell? You are princes of the Church, successors of the Apostle. You you want to you want to condemn yourselves to hell? Fine. But don't expect me to follow you, while you lie. About what the Second Vatican Council said. Now, the Second Vatican Council was not perfect. It's not it's not some immaculate conception of, of Catholic councils, okay? The fact is, is there were so many politics playing playing in the games in there. There were so many people trying to scheme and re-scheme and unscheme and and all that other crap. It wasn't going to be a perfect council. But they didn't call the council to establish dogma. They didn't call the council to change doctrine. And this was stated clearly by John the 23rd. They've canonized him, so you would think they would at least follow his words. Except again, they are liars. Now I'm not saying that John XXIII's idea of kicking open the windows to the church to let a fresh to let fresh air in was such a great idea. It seems like a very sketchy thing to do. But whatever. That's what he did. That was the metaphor he was using. Fine. I'm okay with it. I'm confident that the bishops, the vast majority of bishops, absolutely wanted. To make sure that we did everything that we could to become better Catholics. The vast majority. I'm confident that schemers like Bunini and others were doing everything that they could to undercut. That's why they invited the likes of Tillard de Chardin, who was an apostate, a demon-possessed apostate. Oh, seems like an that seems like it's really, really harsh. No, it's not. Read his writings. He talks about the thing. And the thing looks very much like an introduction to demonic possession. What was very likely a perfect demonic possession. Because it looks like he invited the thing into him. Might have been a little bit of struggle early on. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Hard to say. I wasn't there and I'm not Teilhard de Chardin. But he and his ilk had ulterior motives. They had other reasons for what they were doing in the council. They had draft letters of everything that they wanted to do. Vatican II was originally supposed to just kind of finish up Vatican I. But all that went out the window. The original sourcing documents went out the window. They were, went straight to the trash heap. We're not worried about those. We're going to introduce all this new stuff. The bishops are like, ah, okay. I mean, if this I mean, okay if this is what the Holy Father wants." The Holy Father probably wasn't really paying that close attention either. I mean, you know, it is what it is. It can only be so many places. As a man who's a supervisor of wor- of, you know, people who work at my company, I can tell you that I don't always know what's going on. I'm responsible for what they do ultimately, but I don't always know what's going on. Likewise, Paul VI, same thing. Punini goes to Paul VI, says the bishops are unanimous. Punini goes to the bishops and says, this is what the Holy Father wants. Paul VI goes to the bishops and they're like, what are you talking about? We thought that's what you wanted. Pope's like, I thought that's what you guys were. They, he said you were unanimous on it. Like, we didn't like it at all. And it carries on through to today. There were priests and bishops who were like, okay, well, we're going to try and hold everything together. We're going to try and not go too far. But there were the activists who were like, kumbaya, this this hammer knocker right on out of here. Let's do the thing. And what do we have for the fruits of the Second Vatican Council? The auto-demolition of the cloister. The auto-demolition of seminaries. The auto-demolition of vocations. A mere decade and a half later, Archbishop Lefebvre does what? He looks, he goes, oh, no, 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 no. no! This is not the Catholic faith. We have to move to preserve the Catholic faith. And what do they do? They say he's, a sch- he's in schism. He broke with the church. He's excommunicated. And yet... Archbishop Lefebvre didn't really have that much of an issue with many of the documents that came out of the Second Vatican Council. He just had an issue with something that was the spirit of the Second Vatican Council. Some thing that seemed entirely alien to the, whole, to the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Here we are. What? Fifty years later, and we have a pope and a bunch of bishops. And I say bishops, in reality, we've have princes of the church, cardinals, cardinal archbishops, who do what? They're doing everything that they can to gut the Catholic faith. Vatican III, the Synod on synodality, the holy, Ap- the holy apost, the. the Holy Apostate Nouveau 21st Century Council coming out with documents talking about, oh yeah, well, homosexual relationships are just fine, and abortion, meh you know, ain't that big a deal. And, you know, the family, meh, we don't really need the family. It'll be all right. Christ will take care, blah, 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 this, that, and the third, whatever. Doesn't really matter. But we have to get rid of the death penalty. We're going to be okay. We're perfectly okay with euthanasia, but we have to get rid of the death penalty. I'm sorry, suck what? How does that work? Well, the problem is, is that unless, unless they're lying, it doesn't. They just incarnated Archbishop McElroy. Who's Archbishop McElroy? Well, you hear all the Catholic talk. All the Catholic talk. He's a huge supporter of same-sex unions. He's a huge supporter of, you know, the seamless garment. He's a huge supporter of all this nouveau freaking World Economic Forum bullcrap. This Davos crowd, the Green Agenda. Sustainable development, human fraternity. And what do they say? What do they constantly say? You got what, Cardinal Roach, the new Cardinal Roach? I love the fact that I love the fact that in English his name is Roach. Because it tells you pretty much exactly everything you need to know. Comes out and says, these people are resisting Vatican II. They don't like Vatican II. We don't care about Vatican II. Your average traditionalist, your rad trad, your super trad, your mini mini poopoo head trad, knows more about the Second Vatican Council than any other Catholic in the church. Your mini poopoo headed trad knows more about the Second Vatican Council than any of your novus ordoites in the church. Most people think Vatican II is just actually. I'm you know what? I'm going to take Michael Matt's joke because it was funny. I chuckled. I chuckled. I laughed. I'm using it right now. I'm crediting him. It's his joke. Most people think Vatican II is the Pope's summer home. They don't know anything about the Second Vatican Council. They couldn't tell you anything about the First Vatican Council. And don't get me wrong. The First Vatican Council did pave the way for the garbage that's in the church today. And I know that's going to be hard for a lot of people to hear, but that's where we get the modern-day papalitry, where anything the Pope says has to be infallible. He couldn't buy, The Holy Spirit wouldn't let him teach error. Really? Moron? The, the Holy Spirit would never let somebody teach error. He's the Pope. He's got the grace of God. It would never let him teach error. Bro, you know he could be elected pope and totally subvert all his vows, right? I mean, you know that's a human thing. Like, that's a capacity. If you don't think that's a (laughs) Legit, if you don't think that disobeying something, that, that holding moral reservation or lying your butt off when you're making a vow is possible, clearly you've never seen the United States Congress. I swear to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic... That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. <clears throat> How many of these people are actually upholding and defending the Constitution of the United States? So if they can lie, what makes you think the what makes you think the guy they chose to be pope can't lie? He's just another dude. Yeah, he's a priest. But in case you forgot, God doesn't take away a person's free will. A man can freely choose to go to hell. A man can freely choose to go to the lowest levels of hell by allowing himself to be elevated to the highest offices in the church to become named the servant of the servants of God, the vicar of Christ, and completely deny his entire vocation. You don't think that's possible? What makes you think God would take away someone's free will? Like, legit. What makes you think he would do that? The whole gospel is about letting go and choosing to let God lead you. But you don't have to let go. God's not going to stand there with guardian angels standing there in full armor with swords drawn to coerce you to do the right thing. And it doesn't matter if you're some babe fresh out of the womb or the Pope. He's not doing that. He'll protect, he'll protect you from certain assaults. He'll protect, he'll protect you from the things that are only going to bring you, that are actu- actively going to cause you to go to hell. But anything that you have to comply with in order to choose, he's not going to protect you from that choice. He's going to teach you what's right and wrong. And if you're the Pope, he's taught you everything he can. You have, had, you have no excuse. You have access to all of the greatest theologians. You have access to the entire archive of the Roman Catholic Church. There's no reason you can't read St. Augustine. There's no reason you can't read St. Nicholas. There's no reason you can't read St. Ignatius of Loyola or St. Ignatius of Antioch, or uh, I think it's Antioch. There's no reason you can't read St. Athanasius. There's no reason you can't read St. John Henry Newman. You're the Pope. You have access to the entire deposit of the faith. Every saint, every encyclical, every papal bull, every article, every everything You're the pope you want to read about the trial of galileo you can read about the trial of galileo you want to read about the trial of giordano bruno you can read about the trial of giordano bruno you want to go through the spanish inquisition's archives guess what dude you're the pope you can go through all of it you have access to the entire length breadth and depth of the history of the catholic church at your fingertips you need only speak that affords you great grace because you are the exorcist for the planet. The Holy Father walks into the room and if he's intent on getting rid of all the demons in that room, guess what? They're not hanging around because that comes with his post. But if you don't want to do that, If you've decided, when you took the office, that you will not hand down the faith as it was handed to you, but instead decide to imbue your own teaching, God's gonna let you do it. And pray God actually some good bishops get up off their dead behinds and stand up. But they don't want to do it because of obedience. You remember that thing I was telling you about the First Vatican Council? Well, what came out of the First Vatican Council was a distorted view of what obedience really is. The Second Vatican... Or, excuse me, not the Second... The First Vatican Council took Admiralty Law and applied it to the Church. Now, is there anything wrong with Admiralty Law? Well, you do the research and you see, obviously, actually, no. But the problem is is that sometimes it imbues something that looks like authority that isn't actually real. If Pope Francis walks up to you, hands you a Glock 19, tells you to put it to some kid's head and pull the trigger, do you? If the Pope walks up to you and hands you some some witch's athame, for those of you who don't know what an athame is, it is a specific kind of ritual dagger used in pagan occult practices. If the Pope hands you some witch's athame and tells you to sacrifice that baby on the altar of the Most High God to, to Lucifer, are you supposed to do it? Should you do it? Will you do it? Many of you are like, of course not. That's crazy. That's ridiculous. There are trads, well within the sound of my voice, who are laughing right now, going, that is the silliest analogy, and yet, most accurate. Because when the Holy Father comes out and says that homosexual unions can be okay, despite the fact that sacred scripture says that they are a sin that cries out to heaven for justice... It is on the level, if not more extreme, than handing you some witch's athame and telling you to sacrifice a baby on the altar of God. And that's something that Catholics, both leftists, both Novus who are conservative, and both and traditionalists, all categories of Catholic. From the farthest whacked out novusordite to the, to the most meany, poopoo-headed trad, that is a concept that you all have to understand. If the synod on synodality comes out and says that homosexual unions are going to be perfectly okay, you say no. It is the moral equivalent of taking a witch's athame and sacrificing an innocent baby on the altar. Why do I say that? Because for those of you who don't understand the game at play, homosexual conduct... Forces even the demons to flee they will put it in your head they will push it on you they will fiddle with your physical with 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 your physical temptations and play with your emotions and they will push it and push it and push it and in the moment that is is acted upon they will flee because their angelic nature cannot be present for such an abomination The devil flees when two dudes are doing it. That's how bad it is. Nutshell, you want to know my source? St. Catherine of Siena. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. That's the approach that you have to have. You have to understand that by allowing this thing, this thing that is the synod on synodality, the third Vatican council, this thing, allowing this thing to try and mutate and pervert the faith is on the level with sacrificing babies to Moloch in an occultic ritual on the altar of God. so you have to ask yourself well if it's that bad why would they promote it because they're ashamed that they do it because they're ashamed that that to a man every single one of them who's pushing this garbage is either complicit in or commits themselves the very sins that they're trying to cover for with this synod on synodality it's that simple it is that simple. Well, why would they do such a thing, the princes of the church? Because as of right now, they are damned. They can repent, but as of right now, they're going to hell. The lowest circles of hell are about to be populated with the cardinals of the Catholic Church of the 21st century. That's what's about to happen. Oh, but nobody ends up in hell. Well, that that right there is some Hans Urs von Balthasar garbage. Another one of the Second Vatican Council's dudes trying to change the faith. Pray that Bishop Baron pulls that line of thinking completely out of his head before he goes. Because i got to be perfectly honest with you. If he converts, if we can get him to actually uphold the faith, he will be the greatest bishop in the last five centuries. We just got to get that modernist nonsense out of his head. That's it. Now I will tell you that based on the testimony of exorcists, if they're beating the crap out of demons with Novus Ordo prayers, then not everything about the Novus Ordo is bad. It's that simple. I know there's a lot of people who don't want to hear that. But this podcast has as its most solid anchor, giving no quarter to demons. So if it beats the snot out of a demon, it's good. If it helps deliver souls from diabolical possession, it's good. <coughs> And if there is something in the Reformed liturgy that beats the ever-loving snot out of demons, then the Novus Ordo liturgy is not all bad. But the Novus Ordo, as it's currently practiced, is not practiced in line with Sacrosanctum Concilium, which is a clear, (coughs) clear document. (coughs) that outlines exactly the way the Holy Mass is supposed to be celebrated, came out of the Second Vatican Council. So this garbage that keeps getting promoted by, Card- by Cardinal supich and Cardinal McElroy and Cardinal Roach is a direct contravention of the Second Vatican Council. And because it's a direct contravention of the Second Vatican Council, it exposes them as liars. And on the level that they're lying about, spiritually speaking, they've surrendered their offices. They are still duly ordained and consecrated. You want to make your arguments about, oh, well, the Novus Ordo, blah, 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 and this, that, and the other, blah, 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 change, blah, blah, blah. Okay, hello, I just said it. I just said it. The rule of thumb has to do with exorcism. So, if a Novus Ordo bishop can award faculties to an exorcist priest and the demon is now subject to the priest because he's got faculties from the bishop newsflash their orders are valid their consecration is valid sorry guys quad era demonstrandum It has thus been demonstrated. You want to know whether or not something is actually true? There's no more litigious... Species... Than demons. They will use everything that they can to try and get anything that they want because they are slaves. And they have to use only the openings that are given to them by God. So... You want to check to see if a bishop's orders, like his consecration, is valid? When the exorcist asks for faculties and the demon starts crapping his pants, you know that bishop's consecration is valid. So for you, said is shut up. It is a pure, physical, verifiable proof. You want to say they're abandoning their office? Absolutely. I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you, but you cannot tell me that their orders are not valid. You cannot tell me that their orders are not valid. Once the demons are subject to the exorcist who just got faculties from Cardinal Roche. Not that he's handing out faculties anytime soon. But the fact is, Bishop McElroy, when he gives faculties to his, to his diocesan exorcist guess what? That means his ordination is valid. As soon as the demon starts crapping his pants, knowing that he's in for for a fight, he's about to get the monkey snot stomped out of him, guess what? That disproves your thesis that that their consecrations are invalid. Now, do I know all the mechanisms? No. But I know how to prove something in the real world. And it only takes one quick experiment. You take the rules that you know to be true and you test them against the hypothesis. I need to make sure that fire's yellow. Oh, okay. Well, cool. Well, what are we burning? We're going to burn an assortment of stuff. Okay. What do you find? Well, fire's mostly yellow. It's not always yellow. Kind of depends on the material. If there's copper in the material, that's weird. It turns green. Meh. If there's sodium in it, then it's really yellow. Okay. Cool. i want to test that water's wet. Well, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to take something dry, and I'm going to dump a bucket of water on it. Hey, funny, look at that, it turned wet. Weird. It does not... For the layman, it doesn't have to go that far. We don't have to know every single clause and and caveat in canon law. We don't have to. Okay? They made it really, really simple. The supreme law of the church is the salvation of souls. So whatever it is that saves souls, that's what you do. If it doesn't save, save souls, then you avoid that. If it's neutral, then I mean, you know, okay, cool, play with it, play around with it on the weekends and stuff, but don't bring that craft to church. The supreme law of the church is the salvation of souls, so everything is predicated on that. Gracious. By the way, it's the same thing with the orthos. I love you guys. I've got a really close friend at work who's Zortho, okay? But here's the test. Are you cognizant of the fact that you are fighting the world, the flesh, and the devil? Or do all of your battles only ever seem to be the world and the flesh? Because if it's only the world and the flesh, and it's not the devil, did it ever occur to you maybe you're doing something wrong? So I don't understand how Catholics are so are so hung up on exorcism. It is the front line of de- of battle against the demonic. Hello, I've met a lot of ortho guys. Now I'm tell you right now, you guys are not that holy. I have not met a lot of monks, but as I understand it, the most holy monks, just like in the Catholic Church, the most holy monks get persecuted like nobody's business. How do I know they're saints? Hey, look at that. It mirrors the Catholic Church. They got a holy bishop. I think his name, if I remember correctly, his name is St. Paisius. I have no doubt that he's a saint. Why? Oh, no, it's weird. I watched the story of his life and his life mirrored that of many of the Catholic saints who suffered persecution just for being a guy trying to do a thing with God. Gracious. Look. There is a reason why the Catholic faith is as complex as it is for the saints like for the great saints like Thomas Aquinas and Saint Robert Bellarmine. For Saint uh, for Saint John Henry Newman. For Saint Albert the Great. But it's also it is also as simple as Saint Joseph Cupertino. It is also as simple as Saint Teresa of Luzon. We have the whole spectrum from extraordinarily extraordinary divine erudition to childlike simplicity and everything in between. We have saints of all shapes and sizes, all colors. All colors and flavors. All smells, because you know some of them didn't bathe. <clears throat> but the basics... The basics are always true, and we can never forget that. There is something that is always true in the Catholic Church that you can test against something else that might be doubtful. Something happened in the Catholic Church in the 1960s that made exorcism a far more difficult ordeal. That required the people to be delivered to be to undergo much more arduous and much more lengthy processes by which they're delivered. However, comma. Pause for dramatic effect. It did not change the fundamental process by which exorcism is conducted. So it takes longer. Okay. But the, but the basics still have to be there. The priest has to be, has to have faculties. The bishop automatically has faculties. The bishop can delegate his faculties to a priest. And it doesn't matter the holiness of the priest if he's got the faculties for the sacrament. We are not brought to heaven by the holiness of our priest. We are brought to heaven by his ability to convince us to live a sacred life. He could be the greatest degenerate on earth, but if he's teaching the faith, he will create saints. He could, be, he could be the pedophile, the homosexual, the homosexual pedophile. It does not change the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It merely changes the likelihood that that priest is going to have chance, one, of walking into heaven. Because it's not going to happen on his part lest he repent but his holiness is independent of the sacraments he could be her- he could be heretical but as long as he intends to do the thing that the church does during mass and he does it according to the rubrics guess what It's still the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is still the sacrament of penance. It is still the sacrament of matrimony. It is still the sacrament of baptism. It is still the sacrament of anointing the sick. It is still the sacrament of holy orders. Because the holiness of the person conducting it, while it would be ideal if they were actually holy when they did it, or at least clean, spiritually speaking, it does not Change the essence of the sacrament it does not change the essence of the sacramental and somewhere along the line we forgot all about this and that's part of the reason it's one of my biggest beefs with said of a I love you guys to death you guys are devoted in ways that I can only dream of but you're missing that one point St. Teresa of Avila said if you had to choose between a holy priest and a good priest an intelligent priest an educated priest, an erudite priest you take the intelligent priest because the holy priest will probably get himself into heaven but he might leave you behind whereas the educated priest will know how to get you to heaven even if he ends up in hell If you can get both, great. (laughs) But how many St. Alphonsus Liguori's are there? How many St. John Vianney's are they? Are there? How many Padre Pio's are there? Not many. You know how I know there's not many? Because we know all of their names. We know all of their names. You look in the Encyclopedia of Catholic Saints, and it names out about 639 people, plus a couple of people and their groups. So like 10,000 martyrs here, 148 martyrs there, 23 martyrs there, or whatever. But it names 639 people individually. We know their names. That's how rare they are. How many... Legit. I want you to just think about this for a minute. <clears throat> From the Holy Apostles to today, how many Catholics have there been? Well, we know in the, within a couple of years of the apparition of Our Lady of Guadalupe, there were 10 million converts in Mexico. 10 million paralleled the the some 10 million that we lost in Europe at the same time due to the Protestant Revolution. But if it was only 10 million and there were only 639 named saints, newsflash, people! That's still statistically zero. Statistically zero saints in the Catholic Church. We know there are saints, that's why we know them, and we know their names, and we venerate their relics, and so on and so forth. We try to follow them, we know their lives, we read their bios, we read what they wrote. But statistically, zero saints. How many priests? In history. How many bishops in history? There's what, 270 supreme pontiffs? In the last 2,000 years? How many bishops? <clears throat> how many cardinals in history? How many priests in history? How many of them were actually holy? Realistically speaking, how many of them were actually holy? Clearly, the Saint Bernard, the Saint Bernard of Clairvaux, the Saint uh, the, the Saint John of, of Capistranos, those exist. Saint John of the Cross, Saint John Bosco, they exist. St. Francis Xavier, St. Ignatius of Loyola, St. Aloysius Gonzaga. A lot of Spanish saints, by the way, just saying, but a lot of French saints too. We have lots of them there are many you can do a litany you can do the litany of the saints like if you actually ever recorded if they updated the the full litany of the saints and they named every single canonized saint even notwithstanding even notwithstanding the canonizations of the post Vatican 2 of the Vatican 2 post Vatican 2 popes because admittedly I got some questions about that but I don't honestly have any doubts about mother teresa She's a post-Vatican II saint, canonized in the aftermath of Vatican II. Are you going to tell me the Saint Padre Pio isn't a saint? He passed away shortly after the council, just before the new mass came out. He's a post-Vatican II saint. So there are some saints, there are some that, in the aftermath of the Second Vatican Council, there are some that I don't have any doubts about. Whatsoever. The popes? Eh. I have have my doubts about there there being that many consecutive saintly popes. Especially when we've seen what they've done. We've lived through the aftermath of what they've wrought on the earth. But as far as most of the other ones... I have very little doubt that Ven- that Venerable uh, Bishop Fulton J. Sheen is a saint. There's no doubt in my mind that Archbishop Lefebvre is a saint. <clears throat> They're post-Vatican too. But if we updated it to include from, from all the way at the beginning, all the way to the present, you could still name them it wouldn't take an hour. It would not take an hour to name all of the saints. It would feel like an hour. Maybe Actually, I, I take that back. Maybe it would take an hour. I don't think it would take an hour because the full litany of the saints isn't that long. And you cover a lot of names there. the fact is is the fact is that sainthood is rare because because we know their names because you have names like blessed blessed UConn because you have names like all of the servants of God and all of the blessings blessed Carl Beatus Carolus Domo Austria blessed Carl of Austria Goodness gracious me. Goodness gracious me. You want to doubt their orders? You want to doubt the sacrament? Okay, cool. I got it. You may doubt a particular administration of a sacrament because somebody somebody did it wrong. Got it. It's possible. But Kennedy Hall actually made a good... <clears throat> made a good point this last... Uh, I think it was Kennedy. I'm pretty sure it was Kennedy Hall. Made a good point about conditional... Like, going back and getting getting stuff conditionally done because you doubt the validity of the sacraments. If they make you doubt the validity of the sacraments, if, if as you understand it, you are a a baptized, confirmed Catholic... If you you were to go back and conditionally do it because because somebody raised some doubt, that is an act of sacrilege. Oh, but I was baptized as a a baby. How could I possibly know? Okay. I was baptized December 2nd, 1979. 1979. Post-Vatican II, New York City. In in Brooklyn, New York. You know why I have no doubt about my baptism? Because both my mother and my father, while they didn't videotape it, we don't have home videos of it. They didn't understand not a single word. Why? Mind you, both my parents are bilingual. They speak English and Spanish. They didn't understand a single word because the whole thing was in Latin. So do I have any doubts about my baptism? No. Do I have any doubts about my con- confirmation? No. I was there. I was actually cognizant of it. And you can ma- and you can say whatever doubts you want to. Oh well, it was a post-Vatican two, blah blah blah. I was confirmed in the church. Yes, it was a novus order bishop. <clears throat> it's the bishop of the of the military archdiocese. Okay. You want to doubt it? Go ahead and doubt it. I don't care. I'm not going to go do it again. Ridiculous people. Absolutely ridiculous people. Well, just because it was in Latin doesn't mean it was done right. Actually, it kind of does. Because most people don't speak Latin, so they just read the words. And all you have to do is follow the formula and have the intent. Weird, isn't it? It's almost like the Catholic Church went out of their way to make it freaking simple over 2,000 years. Now, like I said, to my Zedificontist listeners, because I know that's got to rub people the wrong way when I talk about it like that, most of you are more holy than I am, like legitimately. And I'm not, I'm not talking about like the holier-than-thou kind of accusation. No, I mean... Most of you are more faithful than I am. You're more dedicated than I am. Okay? I can see it. It shows. You're also wrong. It's that simple. You're also wrong. You want to prove it? When some demon-possessed dude, or chick, and the demon's thumbing his nose at the priest... Priest steps out the door, talks on the phone to the bishop, bishop gives him faculties and now the demon is crapping his pants. Hey, wow, weird. It's like the bishop is valid. Huh. It's like his orders actually work. It's like he has the authority to delegate. Goodness gracious. It's the reason why it's Caleb the mechanic and not Caleb the theologian. Because I'm going to point out what works. How it works. If it works. I don't care about the nuance. Sometimes I care about the nuance. So a lot of the stuff with Catholic prophecy, with the apparitions of Our Lady, all of that stuff is ridiculously fascinating to me, and and maybe even to my detriment. I don't know. I have Honestly, I have a hard time believing that that would be to my detriment. But then again, I'm also a retarded human being. <clears throat> but when you want the nuts and bolts... Oh, I can see those. I'm pretty good at those. It either flies or it crashes. It's pretty easy. Not a whole lot of ambiguity between the two. Anyway. Ooh, I had a completely different episode plan for this. I really did. I actually was specifically talking about Bishop Barron and pray for Bishop Barron. I watched the interview with Bishop Barron and Shia LaBeouf I'm going to take these last few minutes to talk about that real quick. If you're going to hate on Shia LaBeouf, shut up. For the sake of your soul, shut up. You watch the video, you can find it on YouTube, it's got like a million and a half views, or one and a half million views, or some junk like that. It's an astronomically high number of views. Point blank. He doesn't have the lexicon of the Catholic. Is the lexicon of an actor, and using the lexicon of an actor, you can tell he knows intrinsically what he's talking about because of his experience. For Bishop Barron, you need to pray for him, for his conversion from his modernist retardation. <clears throat> and I do literally mean modernist retardation in the most clinical sense of the words. Because if he would just discard that Hans Urs von Balthasar crap, he'd be one of the greatest saints in the 21st century. In fact, he would be the freaking saint maker of the 21st century. <clears throat> I don't know why he does what he does. I don't know. I, I think it, maybe it makes it easier. But he literally labels his own problems. He, oh, Lord in heaven. <clears throat> I wanted to scream. I wanted to scream at several at several points because he's talking and he's getting in God's way and I wish he would have just gotten out of God's way because he was right there on something magnificent. It was going to be a tidal wave of conversions. You could tell it was right there. And then Baron starts talking. And it drove me nuts. But in the last 20 minutes, it drove me more nuts. Not because what he said was wrong. But because everything that he said was right. Because he knew. Absolutely knew. He knows the faith. He believes the faith. It spills out of his mouth whenever he's not looking. You'll know what I mean when I say that. It it spills out of his mouth whenever he's not looking. Because he catches himself every so often he has to kind of tone it down. And you can see him do it in real time. But he knows the faith. And if he would just... Let go, he would be one of the greatest saints of the 21st century. He's like right there, but he keeps getting in God's way. Because, well, they diagnosed it early, early in the interview. You'll see it. Watch it. It's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. I don't normally send people over to Bishop Barron's channel because, ugh, he can be so ugh. But this is by far, hands down, the most important interview probably of this decade. Because it is endemic of what's going on in the world with regards to the church. It is the perfect exemplar. Pray for the church. Pray for the nation. Pray for these apostates that they convert and come back to the gospel. Because I'm telling you, they're all going to hell if they don't. Pray for them. And pray for people like me so we don't go over the edge and do something really stupid and guide people away from the faith. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen.